Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Back once again, doing a little bit of... uh you know, semi-draft content. You guys know, as I've said before, uh, as much as I love watching the NFL draft, I'm not much of a draft guy as far as like studying prospects and uh, getting into the weeds uh, with all of that. I leave all that expertise to someone else. I love watching the draft. I love learning about the players getting drafted uh, and all that kind of stuff. But the draft is coming up. We're all really excited about it. And uh, you know, I brought in our good friend from sportsmockery.com, Eric Lambert, uh, to, to play along with me in this little game here where we're going to talk about the top 10 picks in Bears history that we loved and the top 10 picks that we love that we hated uh, in Bears history as well. And the twist is that it basically kind of boils down to loving or hating the pick as it was made versus, you know, loving the pick afterwards you know like having hindsight you know to our advantage and knowing how those picks turned out no 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 how did you feel about the pick when it was made regardless of how it turned out that's what we're doing here so uh eric came on and we just uh we had a great time going over each other's lists not a whole lot of overlap as far as guys making making the list and and whatnot there was some but not a whole lot it wasn't us agreeing on all 20 of the uh on 20 of the picks and everything had a really great time uh, doing it. I, and uh, afterwards, when we got done, we did a little talk about the actual draft coming up on Thursday. You know, will the Bears stay at nine? If they do, who are they picking? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, if you want to stick around for that at the end, uh, we have uh, we have a pretty cool talk about that uh, as well. So, glad you guys are here. You can hit me up on the social media at btu underscore. Larry on Twitter and on the Instagram. And you can also join us on Facebook by joining the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. It's myself and Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com talking about our top 10 picks we hated and loved in Bears history right here on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. By the time most of you are listening to this, we are maybe a little bit more than 48 hours away from the draft finally getting here and uh, being able to answer a lot of these questions about how the draft itself is going to fall. Who are the, who are the Bears going to take at nine? Are they, are they even picking at nine? Could they be trading back once again? And so on and so forth. And in the theme of the draft, I brought in our good friend Eric uh, Lambert from SportsMockery.com. We're going to talk about our 10 favorite picks, draft picks, and 10 picks that we hated. And But here's the twist. It is the 10 picks we loved when the pick was made and the 10 picks we hated when the pick was made, regardless of how those picks 
actually turned out. You know, it's like we drafted so-and-so, I hated that guy, and now he's in the ring of fame, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> or I love this pick, this bum was out of the league in two years. So that's what we're, we're looking at here. It's not really even so much how it turned out, but how are we feeling? More of a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing. How are we feeling when the pick was made? Eric, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for joining us for this. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be back. So I think it would be more fun to save the picks we hated for the second second half of this. So we'll start with the top 10 picks that we loved in the moment where they were made. And uh, since you were the guest, I'll let you go first. Who did you have at number 10? I had Kyle Long. He was my, he was my 10th favorite. And, you know, I... One thing I've always been a big fan of is bloodlines picks, guys who had like famous uncles or fathers who were really good in the league. And that usually tells me that the, you know, the next generation has a really good chance of being good. I loved his talent. I felt he had great upside, but at the same time, you know, I was wary of his background. He had some trouble in at Florida State. But I felt that if he got his head on straight, that he was going to be a really good player. And thankfully, I was right about that. <laughs> so Kyle was the 20th pick in 2013, I Correct. believe. And uh, yeah, a, a surprise first round pick. Uh, my number 10 is also a Kyle, but his name is Kyle Orton. Quarterback ah. from Purdue. It was the very first pick of the fourth round in 2005. And... I was excited uh, about Kyle Orton just because I knew what the kind of player he was uh, in college. Being Midwestern guys, you hear about the Big Ten a lot, and Kyle Orton really made a name for himself. I was, I was ecstatic that I felt like it was a great value pick for the Bears because I didn't think he was a fourth-round guy, and there he was, the Bears taking him uh, in the uh, fourth round. There were other picks in that draft that I took great umbrage with that we'll get to a little <laughs> bit uh, later, but I was pretty stoked about Kyle Orton when we drafted him uh, in 05. And it, we got an immediate return on that investment with him basically being the guy that saved the season, uh, you know, playing quarterback with, um, with uh, you know, Orton, or, or excuse me, Grossman going down in the preseason again. And with, um, was it Hutchinson? Was it Chad Hutchinson that we had brought in to take over? And he I think that was in 04, yeah. Yeah, he completely tanked the preseason. And the Bears are like, all right, we're going with the rookie. And, you know, we'll just have the world's greatest defense uh, out there. So they only has to score 10 points a game to, to win football games in 2005. So that, was number, so. Yeah, that was number 10 for me. Number nine for you. Uh, number nine for me is a, a recent one, Jaquan Brisker. I really loved that pick for them because I was a fan of his work at Wisconsin. His instincts really stood out to me. He was physical. He, he felt like a really complete safety, and I absolutely loved his swagger as well. So when they made that pick and they got him as late as they did in the second round, I felt it was kind of a steal. And the fact that he had such a productive rookie year right off the bat only encouraged me more to like it. So, you know, I was really happy when they made that pick because I felt it really would help their secondary in the long run yeah and imagine how good he would have been if he had the use of both of his hands for the entire yeah, season no question playing with a you know busted thumb or whatever it was throughout the throughout like the second half of the year mm -hmm. so my number nine was uh adrian peterson oh uh, yeah back i from, remember him. Uh, from georgia southern having gone to western illinois i was very familiar with uh one double a guys or as they'd be called now fcs uh guys Right. And uh, Adrian Peterson basically won the equivalent of the 1AA Heisman Trophy 
and was th- was their like top offensive piece when they were winning national championships back in the early uh, early aughts. And to hear that the Bears got him at pick one ninety nine, I was like, oh look at that, we got yeah. Adrian Peterson. That should be interesting. And um, you know he turned out to be a pretty solid guy uh, for us. And uh, you know great special but, teamer. Yeah, and I was really really surprised and happy that the Bears got their hands on him uh, when uh, when they did in the sixth round. Indeed, so. so. Uh, moving on to number eight, who you got? Uh, also another recent one. With, it's pretty much the same concept as Jaquan Brisker, uh, Jalen Johnson. I was also a big fan of that pick. I, you know, I was. I understood why he fell out of the first round. He had the health issues that you were a little bit worried about, but at the same time, watching him on tape, I felt he was a first round talent, and he just he, he plays that game with the kind of swagger and athleticism you love to see. And when they got him, you know, at like the, I think it was the fiftieth pick. I felt that was a genuine steal, and if he was able to stay healthy, they would have themselves, you know, a certified number one corner. It's, and it's kind of played out that way. I wish he would get, you know, more interceptions from time to time. But yeah. aside from that, I don't really have any gripes about that pick. So, you know, I was happy about it then. I'm still happy about it now. And, you know, I really think uh, Ryan Pace actually got a good one there. Yeah, yeah, not a bad job. Uh, number eight for me, this is this will be the first one that I was excited about that went sideways uh, on us. It's also a recent draft pick but Riley Ridley uh the wide receiver Uh, out of Georgia and I think I was more excited not so much that we got him but when we got him which was like one of the last picks in the fourth round he was not supposed to be there at 126 when the Bears uh were picking if you if you remember in 2019 we didn't have a first or a second round pick David Montgomery was our top choice at 73 and then we didn't our so essentially by the way that our, our draft board fell Riley really was our second round pick because he was only the second one and I was excited about him obviously his brother Calvin Ridley was a stud uh, in his first couple years uh, in the NFL and I really thought that we found kind of like a you know a steal that had fallen to us and whether it was Nagy and his mismanagement of talent or whatever the situation was that did not work out and Riley Ridley's not even in the league. Uh, yeah. anymore so really that was, unfortunate that was one that I was excited about that went sideways mm-hmm. uh, on us absolutely so, so moving right along who we got at number seven uh, this one, I, I guess you could say it kind of went sideways. Uh, I really loved when the Bears got Garrett Wolf in 2007, the okay. running back out of NIU. Yeah. You know, I had followed him more closely than some other running backs in recent history because, you know, he was such a stud there, really fast, athletic. You know, he, he felt like he would fit the sort of new wave that was coming along, but I think he arrived a little too early to the league. I think he'd be much better fit for it now. Right. And, you know, they never really gave him much of a shot as a running back, but he did end up becoming a a special teams ace for them for a couple of years so I was at least encouraged about that but I really I, I genuinely felt they were getting a stud when they drafted him in 07 and unfortunately I wasn't quite right about that but I love the pick at the time yeah and and I think one of the things that was so amazing about Garrett Wolf was all that he accomplished and how small he actually was he was only 5'7 right. I think maybe he topped out at 170 pounds and yet he yeah. was in there you know running between the tackles and banging it out uh, with the best of them there in the MAC in in, in 07 or 0506 and uh, and whatnot and you know like like you it was like my ears perked up when I heard we picked him um, in in 07 but uh, yeah it uh, it did not uh, did not work out the the magic that he had at NIU did not translate to the NFL unfortunately I think Matt Forte's arrival probably hurt him the next year yeah, so it's yeah. just kind of one of those unfortunate things yeah um, but I I mentioned him just a moment ago number seven for me was David Montgomery. 
Um, uh. You know, taking him in the third round with the Bears only, you know, finally picking in the third round. Uh, you know, we had traded away Jordan Howard, so running back was at the top of just about everybody's uh, wish list. Right. And it's like I think everyone was hoping, you know, hoping but knowing that Miles Sanders would not be there when the Bears were, were finally picking. And I think the Bears actually traded up uh, for Montgomery. Like, right. I think we had like something like 80 or 79 or something traded up to 73. Uh, to get Montgomery, and he arrived in his first preseason game. You know, it's like, man, we oh, yeah. seen, that guy ran like a stud in, in the first game. He was a great uh, great back for us in, in those four years, and unfortunately, he's wearing a Lions uniform now. I was like... Better than Lions than the Vikings or Packers, I'll just yeah, say that. <laughs> yeah, but man, that one's going to suck twice a year, having, to, having him play against us. That's not going to be fun. Yeah, so, no question. But I, I, you know, with Montgomery being an Iowa guy, I live out here uh, in Iowa as well. So I heard a lot about him uh, during his college days, even though it, I live in Hawkeye territory, not so much Cyclone uh, territory. Yeah. But you still heard about him uh, nonetheless. And to have him come to Chicago and actually be, you know, a solid guy uh, for us was it was enjoyable. I, I love the way he runs. And it's unfortunately he's not with us uh, anymore. So, yeah. Uh, f- number six, who you got? Uh, number six, uh, I was a big, big fan of. There's another running back. This one was Jordan Howard. You know, right. you know, I was a big fan of him. Him at UAB. Unfortunately, the program went under, and I was afraid that you know he would kind of fade into nothingness. And then he sort of resurfaces at Indiana, has a great year. Bears get him at what I felt was a discount in the fifth round, right. and they didn't really need him to be the guy in that first year. And he ends up run, rushing for over 1,300 yards and pretty much announcing himself to the NFL. And he was there. Identity for a couple of years, yeah. Going to the Pro Bowl, you know, I felt he was a great pick. Unfortunately, they traded him away after you know they changed regimes. But you know, I was a real big fan of that pick. I felt it was a good value pick, and you know, the fact that he turned out as well as he did only you know made me all the happier because he was such a great story. On top of that, you know, overcoming the death of his father and you know getting himself to the NFL was just great stuff all around. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting with, uh, like you mentioned, that the Bears didn't draft him to be the guy, but then right. they, they needed him to be because the we, we let Matt Forte go in the in the offseason, and, you know, Jeremy Langford, who has a solid rookie season, was, stayed, was slated to be the starter, and it was like he started laying eggs during the preseason, which is Jordan Howard had 1,300 yards, but he probably could have had – he probably could have beaten out Ezekiel Elliott for the rushing title had he been the starter from day one. He gained 1,300 yards starting in, like, week four or something like that. I mean, he did not – he was not the starter the entire uh, season. So what he did in the time that he did it was pretty was pretty amazing. So, yeah. No that question. Was, uh, that was yeah. a great pick. Uh, number six for me, now we start getting into our top picks uh, here. Uh, Tommy Harris. Uh, from, oh, yeah. from Oklahoma, 2004, uh, Lovey's first uh, draft pick. And, and, you know, just like Eberflus uh, with the cover two and everything, we needed a three-tech to be the steam that drives the defensive engine. And uh, we got Tommy Harris at 14 uh, in 04, and Tommy Harris was a beast for the Bears until injuries started to uh, peel away the last few years of his career. So, uh, but I was a huge fan uh, of that pick, uh, you know, when we took him uh, and everything. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a stud. Uh, no question. Know, I mean, if he had stayed healthy, he probably would have been flirting with the hall. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hall of Fame. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, I actually had Olin Krutz on the show a few years ago, and when we talked about the Super Bowl and what could have been, it was, you know, and, and I think we were talking about Mike Brown, actually. Right, it's like, yeah. If, you know, if Mike Brown is there... Uh, Reggie Wayne does not score that fluke touchdown because right. Mike Brown would have not bit on the fake because Dallas Clark ran a crossing route. Daniel Manning bit on that, leaving Reggie Wayne wide open. And he's like, yeah, never mind that. How about Peyton doesn't get the ball off if Tommy Harris is playing? You know, and they probably would have stopped the run better because I remember the oh, Colts yeah. just cramming it down their throat most of the game. Yeah. So, but it's like, you know, Tank Johnson was just getting there as Manning was throwing the ball. He's like, Tommy Harris would have been there. The ball would have right. never been thrown at all and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Tommy Harris was definitely uh, a beast 
uh, for the Bears. Uh, top half of the top ten, number five, who you got? This one shames me a little bit. Um, I was a huge fan of the Kevin White pick in 2015. You know, I loved watching him his final year at West Virginia. He was explosive. He was big. He was strong. I felt his he was just scratching the surface of what he could be. And when the Bears traded Brandon Marshall, I felt they really needed a wide receiver. And it was pretty much 1A and 1B with Amari Cooper and him. You know, I genuinely believe that. I was a big fan of his talent. He blew up the scouting combine, pretty much validating what we all saw on tape and then they took him and I was thrilled because I think I think he was gonna you know be a great target for Jay Cutler and then he just kept getting hurt and it's and it really sucks because I felt he had so much potential that just went unrealized because he couldn't stay on the field and it's one of those what if scenarios that you always wonder about because anybody who watched him in college could see he had something in him to be really great he had the work ethic obviously he had talent and you know, the fact that he stayed in the league as long as he has is actually pretty impressive considering what he's had to deal with. But it's just so unfortunate that he never really got a chance to show it because of the, all the health issues. Yeah, I used to talk about Kevin White all the time on the podcast, and I would I would defend him to other uh, Bear fan friends uh, of mine who were just writing him off. He's, you know, this guy's a bum. He's a bum. And it was like, we don't know what we have in Kevin White. The guy's going into 2018, his fourth NFL season – He's played three and a half games. Right, right. You know, he missed all of his rookie season. He played three three games in his uh, his second season, got hurt in game number four, and then got hurt in the third quarter of the Falcons game in week one of 2017. That's his entire career right yeah. there. He's like, he hasn't been on the field long enough to get hot or to show us that he can't play. He just can't get on the field. That's not him being a bum. That's him being horribly unlucky. You know, because like you said, he had the work ethic. So he's working to be out on the field. He wasn't getting hurt because he was lazy or anything like that. He was just terribly unlucky with one catastrophic injury uh, after another. It's like it it Mm -hmm. is, you know, quite a tragedy how his his career uh, turned out. And a credit to him that he's still going. I I I think it was last year I saw him in in a Saints uniform making a really great catch for him. Still hadn't scored a touchdown in the league, though. So he'll probably end up in one of the uh, spring leagues. And I think he'll end up having a good career with one of them, whether it's the XFL or USFL, because he's still pretty young and he's still got plenty of talent to spare. I think he just sort of needs to regain his confidence and have himself a good season. And I think he'd really benefit from going to one of those places whenever he makes that decision. Right. All right. Number five, you might think this is low, but. Brian Urlacher at uh, number five. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, you say that because you're 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 operating with the benefit of hindsight. But at the time, you can understand why people were a little bit skeptical of it yeah. because he was a safety in college. So you were kind of projecting him to linebacker, and nobody knew what you really had. Now we know, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I having heard, him at number at number ahead. five makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I we I'd heard so much about him and his athleticism. Uh, how he was a safety, but he was also six four, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. The kind of speed that he had, he returned kicks on special teams, this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. He was like a mythical creature, almost. But it was like <laughs> a unicorn, and, as yeah, they call him. It, in the was, draft. it was. I had two issues with it, though. I mean, I was still excited. I still like the pick. Where the where the Chicago Bears, and we finally have a middle linebacker again, uh, kind of thing. Having you know dealt with the Brian Cox situation and. Uh, and whatnot, still fresh in our minds, by the way. So right. in 2000, it wasn't that long ago. I think Cox is on the team till like 98 uh, or whatever. But 
you know, he was he was converting. He was a safety in college, and he went to New Mexico. Yeah. Not exactly a hotbed of football prospects uh, or whatever. It's like, you know, not playing the highest level of talent, and we're making him a top 10 pick. But it was like, otherwise, like, but if he works out, this is going to be great because, you know, that kind of athleticism and putting him at linebacker, that could be, that could work out really well. So, and, and it turned out it did. Guy was a first ballot Hall of Famer. No so, question. Can't hate that. All right. Number four, who you got? I, I got Kyle Fuller. You know, okay. in 2014, you know, I was I was so upset that they didn't trade up for Aaron Donald because I felt he was such a perfect fit. All they had to do was move up a little bit to get him. And he was my favorite player in the draft in the entire draft. I was a huge Aaron Donald fan. And when and when St. Louis took him at 13, I groaned so loudly <laughs> that I upset some people who were watching the draft with me. But at the same time, I knew. Kyle Fuller was there sort of as a backup plan. And when the Bears took him, I sided with relief because I'm like, please don't overthink this because Kyle Fuller is going to be a really good football player. He had a great all around game. He was athletic. He was big. He played tough. He could get turnovers. So when they took him, I'm like, OK, I can live with this pick. I think he's going to be a good player. It took a few years for him to sort of find himself. But what he turned into, I, th- I felt was a really, really solid football player. So I was very happy with that pick when they made it. All right. Um, number four for me is uh, my, my other pick in, in the picks that I love that went sideways on us. Uh, almost immediately, in fact, Gabe Karimi, oh, offensive God. tackle from Wisconsin, took him 29th overall in 2011. And if there was anything the Bears needed going into that draft, it was offensive line help. Because despite going 11-5 and five and making it all the way to the NFC Championship game, Jay Kettler took the beating of his life just about every single game you know week in week out he was getting his ass kicked and and that's why he couldn't finish the game in the nfc title game against green bay he got busted up and and, you know busted up his knee uh in the first half uh and everything that injury was bad but the one that devastated me was the thumb injury the next year oh dude don't don't (laughs) exactly this is what i'm saying i have nightmares uh about that um my friend lauren cox from locked on bears he and i uh, are are going to do a retro rewind episode where we talk about that game because Ugh, it was like uh, the, forgive me if I'll skip it. <laughs> <laughs> the entire season hinged on what happened uh, Pretty much, in that yeah. game. In that game, heartbreaking. But you know, I was excited about Karimi. Here's this big mauler. Uh, you know, if, from Wisconsin, that's where they made offensive linemen in those days, and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to be protecting uh, Jay, and and it's it was going to be great and. Second game of his career, he blows out his knee against uh, New Orleans, and two years later, we traded him to Atlanta for like a seventh-round conditional pick or something like yeah. that. He was gone in, in, in two seasons, having hardly ever seen the field. So, yeah, that one went sideways on us almost immediately, uh, unfortunately, for all, that, uh, for all the excitement surrounding uh, the pick itself. So, yeah. Number three, who you got? Uh, you know, I, I'm always a big fan of late of late round gems. I feel our quality pickups, even at the time, because I feel that the team actually did make a steal for once because I, I so rarely get to celebrate these. <laughs> and 
when they got Tariq Cohen in the fourth round of the 2017 draft, I was overjoyed because I had watched this guy's tape extensively, and I'm like, man, I get it. He's undersized, but he's actually well-built for his height, and he's so dynamic. And I felt if they could get him, they'd get at least a great returner. And if they learned how to use use him in the backfield, he was going to be a weapon, and he turned into exactly that from the moment he stepped on the field. So I celebrated when they took him in the fourth round because I'm like, man – other NFL teams don't realize what the Bears are getting right now, and they figured it out real quick through those first few years. So you know, when the, when they got him, I was re- I was really thrilled. Yeah, where I where I turned on Tariq Cohen was in that Steelers game, which was what like week two or three mm-hmm. of the season that year, and he was doing just as much damage as Jordan Howard was yep. against the Steelers uh, in that one, and in fact it was robbed of the game winning touchdown that you can go back and watch it now and still say. He didn't step out. He's right he did there. Not. He's literally right there, but he's still in, which means he scored the game winner. But, you know, credit was given to Jordan Howard like two plays later or whatever when mm-hmm. he finally did it. Uh, number three, uh, in my opinion, the only pick worth talking about in 2007, tight end Greg Olson uh, mm-hmm. in the first round. I was over the moon when we drafted Greg Olson. Number one, that he was still there yeah, uh, at exactly. 31. Uh, for us because he was a stud at Miami and I was just stunned that he was still that he was still there and we kind of found out on accident that the Bears had picked him because I remember I was watching the draft and before the Bears were even up to make their pick Greg Olson is they showed a shot of Greg Olson sitting on his couch wearing a Bears cap Uh it was like whoops somebody screwed up (laughs) we're not supposed to be seeing that for like another five minutes uh, or whatever but it's like did we pick Greg Olson did we do that? And sure enough, Greg Olson, Miami, Florida, oh, my God, we got him. That's so great, especially mm-hmm. since we've needed offensive help for like three years at this point going into the 07 uh, season and everything to draft him. And he was exactly the player the Bears drafted him to be, but he had most of that career in Carolina because of Jerry Angelo and Mike Martz. So, yeah, you know, that, that one stung. Oh, God, man, that one hurts so bad. Uh, when when they traded him, and granted, it got us Brandon Marshall a year later, but right. uh, still, I, I would have, uh, you know, be, they didn't want to pay him. And Mike Martz doesn't use tight ends. That's why we he got, even though he was Jay Cutler's favorite target when Mike Martz was calling plays. Ah, we don't need that guy. We don't want to pay him. Go ahead and send him off to Carolina, where he'll have a Hall of Fame career. So yeah, yeah. you know those moments of greatness he had in Chicago. He'll have all of them in Carolina. And we'll regret this every single day that we see this guy on the field. So, yeah. No question. It really sucked. It really did. All right. Number two, who you got? I got Roquan Smith. Okay. You know, it was. I know it was a simple pick. It was an easy pick. And it was the right pick because I felt it was either going to be Quentin Nelson yes. or Roquan Smith that year. If right. you could get one of those guys, I was going to be overjoyed. And when Quentin Nelson went six, I'm like, okay, as long as they just get Roquan Smith at eight, I'll be fine because he was a perfect fit. For Vic Fangio's defense, he was fast, he was athletic, he played with instincts, he was everything they needed at the linebacker position, and for once, Pace didn't overthink it. Mm-hmm. He just took the right guy at the right time, and he turned into you know a Pro Bowl caliber player for them for a number of years. So you know when they got him, I felt okay, they're going to have themselves a good player here, and I was very confident in that. I was extremely confident, and you know he didn't disappoint. I mean he had he, he had his unique quirks over those few years, right. but by and large he was a good player, and you know I'm not surprised that he turned into what he turned into in Baltimore. So yeah, you just get a feeling. 
uh, about a guy. And like you, it's like if it's not Quentin Nelson, who I would give my right arm to have for, on this right. football team, it, then I, I would want the Bears to take Roquan Smith. Because you remember there was that talk that like nobody thought Nelson would be there at eight for the Bears, even though somebody some people would mock him to us sure. at eight. It's like there's no way he's getting that far, but fine. But then the debate became Roquan Smith or the guy that we just signed, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, but Edmonds is 19 years old. Do we want this guy or do we want this polished guy coming from the SEC and, and, and all that kind of stuff? I was like, I think I feel better with, with Roquan. It's like, I love mm-hmm. that we got Edmonds now, that a great replacement uh, for Roquan. But, uh, Go figure. You know, yeah, at the time, I preferred Roquan Smith. And like you said, it, that one worked out great for us. So, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate that uh, he didn't have an agent who couldn't talk him down off the ledge and, uh, you know, basically wore out his welcome with Ryan uh, Poles, and now he's in Baltimore. He got his money, but he didn't get it in a bare uniform where he should be right yeah. now. So, all right, number two for me, Matt Forte. Oh, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, was, I was doing my studying and doing my homework uh, for this one, and I know that everybody in, the, in, you know, that loved the Bears at the time wanted us to go with Richard Mendenhall because he was a Chicago guy, because he went to – Illinois because he'd be there when the Bears were picking uh, I believe at 14 in the first round that year but my contention was yeah but who's gonna block for him mm-hmm. you know who's gonna block for him we need more help at offensive line than we you know we don't take the running back first when we can get other running backs in fact there's this guy from Tulane who I really like you know it's like just look at us he's 6'2 200 something pounds he's rushed for 2,000 yards you know, this guy, he's, you know, he's, he can do it, man. The fact that he's going to fall to the second round is what was surprising to me. And there he was when I forget who it was that picked before the bears, but when they made their pick and Forte was still on the board, I was at Buffalo wild wings watching the draft. I was pounding the bar. Take Forte, take Forte, please take Matt Forte. (laughs) And they took him, and I, you know, celebrated like, that's it. We're in the Super Bowl now. We've got our guy. I was just absolutely freaking out when we got uh, Forte. And it was Minnesota. Was it Minnesota? Minnesota was right before him. Wow. Probably beneficial because they already had AP at that point. Yeah. I was like, I was, you know, just thinking, I was like, it's, you know, they had Peterson who was just coming off a monster rookie season in 07. So, yeah, they weren't going to take another running back. But right. you never know with these kind of things. And, you know, that would just be the Bears' luck that something like that would happen. But uh, when we got Forte, I was I was plenty thrilled. And it turned out to be an I told you so pick for me because you want a running back from Tulane? Yeah, I do. Just like, you know, 30 <laughs> years ago, we wanted this kid from Jackson State that worked out all right. So, mm-hmm. you know, trust me on this one. He's going to be a good uh, running back. He's built like a brick house. It's like, let's put him back there and see what happens. And at the time, it was like him and Benson, that would be unstoppable. But <laughs> Cedric Benson, Benson. And, yeah, <laughs> drunken boat accidents and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, but, you know, pretty much handed the reins over to him immediately. And he took the ball and ran with it. No pun intended. So, mm-hmm. all right. Who you got for number one? Most, uh, most loved pick at the time it was made? Eddie Jackson. Okay. This one, you know, I felt Eddie Jackson was a first-round player. 
I genuinely did. I watched him at Alabama. He was a he was a terrific ball hawk. He had first round ability. He had the athleticism. He had the size. He had everything you look for. The only problem was he broke his leg. Yeah. If he hadn't broken his leg at the time, I genuinely believe he would have gone in the first round of that draft. But he broke his leg and he kept falling. And I'm like, man, is somebody going to take Eddie Jackson? Because this guy, he just has a nose for the ball. And then the Bears traded up in the fourth. I'm like, oh, who are they going after? And then I heard them read off Eddie Jackson's name. And I literally jumped out of my chair. I'm like, I couldn't believe that they had the wherewithal to take him because I knew he was going to be a good player and I knew he was a great fit for that defense. So when it all came together, I'm like, my God, you know, after the Trubisky pick, in that same draft where everyone was a little, you know, kind of unsure about it to the fact that they went after a guy that I genuinely knew a hundred percent in my heart was going to be a good player was a a really cathartic moment for me. And the fact that he's turned out so well in, you know, as things have progressed only further validation for me. So yeah, I was thrilled at the time and I've been thrilled ever since. (laughs) You know what? I got to be honest with you. That was, and that's an honorable mention for top 10 picks that I hated, actually. Really? Well, it's like I didn't, you know, know as much about Eddie Jackson as you, you know, as you did at the mm-hmm. time. It was more about who he wasn't. And it was the fact that, you know, going into that 2017 draft, I wanted the Bears to take Jamal Adams. Ah. And, you know, we didn't take Eddie Jackson. J- Eddie Jackson was the, the one safety that we took about 112 picks from where I wanted us to actually take a safety. So I would, it had nothing to do with Eddie Jackson or anything like that. It was the fact that he wasn't Jamal Adams. That was the guy that I wanted, and we all know what happened uh, with the pick that I wanted the Bears to use on Jamal Adams. So, Indeed but, uh, so. Yeah. Uh, number one for me is a recent pick, and it's a tie between Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins because oh. it was just absolute euphoria for me. Number one, I'll bet. Jeez. because I was – terrified Eric I think I even talked to you about this um you know going into going into the draft after the draft and that you know with Ryan Pace and the desperation of where he was at the time with this is do or die you have to make something happen here if you want to be able to you know make these uh make future picks and signings in 2022 uh and beyond you know we have to shore up the quarterback uh position Mitch is gone and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. We, we need to do something here. I was absolutely terrified that Pace was going to mortgage the future for, you know, Russell Wilson, for Deshaun Watson, and then we'd have nobody for those quarterbacks to play with. Right. Well, we make the trade with New York, and I am crapping my pants because I'm just, I just know that the Bears gave up a king's ransom to move from 20 to 11 to make this pick. And then I'm sitting here. I'm thrilled we have Justin Fields. It's like, but... What did we pay to get him? What did we sure. pay? And it was like, you know, we swapped picks in, in, in this one. Okay. Gave up a fifth rounder this year. Uh, pace is really good with fifth rounders, but okay. Okay. First rounder next year. Yeah. Figured that. Fourth rounder next year. Is that it? <laughs> yep. That's it. You're kidding me. That's it. It cost us a five and a, a four and a five and, and next year's first rounder to get Justin Fields. Like, that's amazing. I am so, and, and I was more thrilled that we were still going to be making picks on day two. Like, I thought right. for sure for him to move up to get his quarterback, it was going to take our second and our third round pick. We're not picking again until like the fourth or fifth round or, or whatever it was. And then fast forward to Friday, 
and Tevin Jenkins, who was that is who I wanted the Bears to pick at twenty. Mm-hmm. If we didn't make the court, in the, and he's still there in the second round, and then we moved up to get him, and there it was. We got Fields and Tevin Jenkins, and all of a sudden this season that no one was looking forward to, now we had a reason to look forward to it because we had a quarterback. We had our source, you know, at the time, our left tackle of the future. We might not win a lot of football games, but it should be interesting to watch at the very least because I was not interested at all in the 2021 Chicago Bears until that draft uh, took place. No question. So, yeah, I was way excited uh, about uh, how that one uh, turned out. So, you have any honorable mentions off the top of your head that you you know that you were thinking about but didn't make the list? Uh, not really. I, I think I covered all. You know, I, I started covering the draft in detail probably around 20, 2012. Before that, it was kind of just a fringe thing with me because I was still pretty young. Sure. So you know, the detailed ones I pretty much covered. So none that really stand out. I think I've pretty much covered all the ones okay. that I genuinely love. There were others that I you know kind of liked. There were others that I was okay with, sort of that sort of thing. But sure. none that I genuinely loved. Right. All right, so let's move on to the fun stuff and the picks that we hated. Uh, who you got for number 10? This might surprise some people, but Cole Komet. Okay. You know, uh, you know, I understood why they took him because he was the best tight end in the draft. They needed tight end help. I understood all of that, but my primary hatred of Komet was twofold. He wasn't explosive enough in my mind, but more than that, he wasn't Antoine Winfield Jr., I wanted wow. Antoine Winfield Jr. so badly. Like I told you, I'm a big fan of uh, legacy-type guys, you, you know, who are sons of great players, that sort of thing. And I felt this kid w- would have been such a great fit. He, he, he was a ball hawk. He could play down in the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I felt he had all the talent in the world to be a Pro Bowl-type player. So when Tampa Bay got him, instead – after the Bears got Cole Komet, I was so upset because I knew Winfield was going to be an immediate contributor. And then, of course, he goes on to win the Super Bowl that same year. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, God, it's a double whammy. Right. So, you know, Komet's turned out to be a good player, and I'm very, very satisfied to eat crow on that. But at the time, I was really upset they passed on Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah, I think that's how, you know, I can honestly say I felt about all the picks that are on my top ten most hated List It's like I was happy to be wrong about these picks if that's how it turned out. But in the moment that those picks were made, you know, it was about, you know, in, in some cases it was about who he wasn't more so than who he was and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you're happy if he's in your favorite team's uniform and he's playing well for you, then, hey, I'm glad I was wrong about the guy. So, right. you know, that's uh, kind of how it worked out with uh, Cole Komet. I was, I was kind of meh. On, on Cole Komet, you know, I, it was it was a great story. He's a Chicago guy, especially when you saw the video of him and his family freaking out on they're on the phone, right. and, you know, and they're finding out that, that, that was the Bears stuff. are going to take him uh, and all that stuff. That was really great. But, um, you know, it was like the jury was out on Cole Komet also because the guy that drafted him wasn't using him. You know, it, it was right. frustrating to watch. We didn't really get to learn much about Cole Komet until about, you know, late 2021 and into 2022 before we really got to see this is the guy that we drafted uh, yeah. kind of thing. So number 10 for me comes with a little bit of a story, if you'll just indulge me for a moment. Eric. Sure. It's the 2003 draft. Okay. And oh, that boy. year, in 2002, the Bears went like 4-12 and 12 or something like that, earned the fourth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Jerry Angelo, and you actually just did an article about this. I um, did. 
Uh, Jerry Angelo, in his infinite wisdom, traded number four to the Jets for 13 and 22 or 23. I believe it was 22. Yeah, I think it was 22. So anyway, fast forward to draft day. And this was when the Bears, or not much, the NFL, when the first round was still 15 minutes. So it was taking forever to get through (laughs) these picks. Uh, A buddy of mine, I was still awake. It was my last year away at college. And a buddy of mine was coming into town, the guy who graduated last year, coming into town to watch the draft. Okay, But he didn't leave until the morning of, so he's just showing up. And literally as the Bears are coming to the podium, he calls me from downstairs. I'm downstairs. All right, the Bears are picking right now. I'll be right down. And I hear the pick. I grab my, my, my keys in my wallet. I head downstairs. I jump in the car. It's, it's him and two of our other college buddies. And the first thing that I said, it wasn't hello, not hey, guy, you doing? Great to see you. It was, who the fuck is Michael Haynes? <laughs> hey, fair question. <laughs> who is that? Who that? Because if you remember, and you know, and I know you, were, you studied the draft far more than I did, but this was before you said you were doing that. But if you remember, Jerry Angelo had this horrible habit of drafting guys, even in the first and second round, you had never heard of before. Right. You know, Bear fans, more Bear fans spent the time asking, who the hell is that? You know, when the Bears are making these picks. And it's like, you know, and like I said, the draft was 15 minutes per pick. So we're talking like four hours in. I've been waiting for the Bears to make this pick. We make the pick finally. And it's like, who is this guy? We've right. never heard of him before. And he's, our, he's 14th overall. He's a pick for us. And he turned out to be a total bum. Uh, for the Bears, maybe played three years, like five sacks or whatever uh, it five was. And a half. Yeah, five and a half sacks in like three seasons. I don't even brutal. think. Yeah, Just brutal. A brutal pick for the Bears. I mean, we we picked Grossman later on, which was another kind of meh kind of moment. But at least we got a return on that investment. We got nothing from Michael Haynes, and it was just yeah. kind of frustration boiled over that here's Angelo picking somebody else you've never heard of. Before You know, it's like, I know these guys have a lot more information than we have, but seriously, a first round pick in still in that area of the draft where a lot of these guys are household names and you pick the one guy I've never heard of before. So, yeah, that was my uh, that was my my uh, my beef with the number 10 pick. Nothing to do with the fact that Michael Haynes, who Michael Haynes was just like, who the hell is he? I have no idea. I've never heard of this guy. So, yeah. He was a microwave pick who had a gr- one great year and then sort of parlayed that into a first-round status, and obviously we know why he didn't get much buzz before that. Right. All right, number nine, who you got? Uh, this might upset you a little bit, but David Montgomery. <laughs> you know, I understood what the Bears were doing. They needed running back help. I totally understood it, so that wasn't what upset me about it. Okay. Trading up to get him yeah. was the first part that upset yeah, me about it. I wasn't it. a fan of that either. But more than that, it was passing on Terry McLaurin. I was a huge fan of Terry McLaurin at Ohio State. I loved watching him there. But even more so once I saw him at the Senior Bowl and doing all the stuff he did there, I became convinced, convinced this guy was going to be a stud. And the Bears needed wide receiver help just as much as they needed running back help. And when they passed on McLaurin to take Montgomery, I'm like, Oh God, he McLaurin's going to end up being a stu- like a genuine star, isn't he? And then he goes to Washington, becomes a genuine star, yeah. and it's just like, oh God, why does this always happen to me? <laughs> so, now, 
I'm in no means upset with what Montgomery ended up doing. He had a thousand yards every year for the Bears. He was probably the best player on their offense during that entire period. So he turned out to be a a very solid pick. But the fact that they passed on McLaurin and they had to trade up to get a running back really soured me on the on the pick at the time. So, yeah, that one was definitely number nine for me. Right. Uh, Number nine actually made your picks that you loved uh, list was Kevin White. Uh, Uh, And for me. And and this will be a theme for most of the picks on this board. It was more about who he wasn't, yeah. than who he was. Number one, I was I definitely wanted Amara Cooper more than I wanted uh, Kevin White. I Same. wasn't surprised. You know, I wanted Cooper oh, ahead sure. of White too, but unfortunately, he yeah. just wasn't there. The ball, the board was just not going to fall that way uh, for us. Um, you know, it's like I wanted Amari Cooper, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. Uh, everyone was mocking Kevin White to the Bears in, in just about every draft magazine I could get my hands on uh, kind of thing. But for me, it was more about the fact that Leonard Williams was falling. He was falling. Oh, yeah. He was falling. I forgot about that. And wow. then he's like, all right, the Jets. is like, there's no way John Fox passes on this guy if he falls to seven. And then the Jets took him at six. And I'm like, God Damn it! I was like, one more pick, man. One more pick. Second year Must have in a felt row. Like it was Aaron Donald yeah, all like over again. Second year in a row, this happens, man. Yeah. Second year in a row, this happens. The guy that's just about to fall in our laps, and like, nope, we're gonna go ahead and snag him. So it's like we picked Kevin White, and I wasn't unhappy about it, but I disliked the pick more because of who he wasn't, more so than who he was because like you we just traded away Brandon Marshall we had a hole at uh, at receiver even though we still had Alshon we had a hole at at uh, at receiver and you know I would have been much happier with Amari Cooper than welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact Kevin White and we all know how the Kevin White story turned out so it wasn't like I thought this would happen with Kevin White or anything like that it was just I would have really rather had Mari Cooper or Leonard Williams as a you know instead of instead of him but it didn't work out yeah that way totally respect that yeah number eight who you got uh, this might be a bit of a forgotten one, but uh, do you remember Ego Ferguson? I do. 2014, yeah. right? Yeah. LSU, um, they were – I never begrudge a team loading up on defensive linemen, but when that defensive lineman clearly can't rush the passer, which was always a core issue with the Bears' defensive front, right? and they took this guy – Clearly going completely based on his athletic potential and not looking at the fact that he was never productive as an interior pass rusher at LSU, I immediately hated the pick. Immediately hated it. So, you know, I understood his size. I understood his athleticism, but he just had no, you know, explosiveness, none of that stuff. And I felt he was either going to be a solid nose tackle who could stop the run or he was going to be a bust. And he ended up being the latter. So, you know, I was upset with the pick entirely from the start. And that only soured me on Phil Emery even more moving forward from that point. So, you know, I was not a fan of the Ego Ferguson pick. And looking back, I, my instincts were absolutely correct. Yeah, wasn't a big fan of the, the, the guy they, they picked after him and Will Sutton uh, either. Not a fan. Oh, yeah. I remember that, too. Uh, Number eight for me was, uh, oddly enough, the guy that I thought would be the most immediate help uh, in his draft class, but, you know, ended up not working out that way was Adam Shaheen 
Oh, uh, yeah. Second oh, round yeah. in 2017 after drafting Trubisky. I was like, well, this is probably, you know, because we, we, we drafted this running back <coughs> from, you know, nowhere, North Carolina University. Uh, we drafted this guy that's only got one good leg, uh, you know, in Eddie Jackson. We got the quarterback, probably no one else really wanted. And we got this tight end. And, and who's the quarterback's best friend but a tight end? And, you know, mm-hmm. so that were that. And out of all of those guys that we drafted, everybody that I didn't like ended up being way more productive than this guy. And, Go figure. But it's just like, here we are at 45. Number one, we're, we're taking this tight end that, A, we've never heard of. It's like, had you ever heard of Ashland University before? Nope. It's like, so, and he's the 45th overall pick in the, it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I absolutely hated uh, the pick. And, 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> Shaheen just kind of seemed overmatched in the NFL. And I think yep. it was, even though he was the man amongst boys in Division Two Ashland, it, it proved to be too much of a leap. Uh, for yep. him, so did not was not a fan of the pick, and, and unfortunately, we're right about not liking it. So, correct. All right, number seven. Who you got? Uh, this is another somewhat obscure one that fans might need their memory jogged on, but Brandon Harden, the third oh. round pick in twenty twelve. Um, oh, you know man. his size, his athleticism. I understood all that, but the thing that immediately soured me on him was the health. It was yeah. evident even before he got to the NFL that the guy struggled to stay healthy. Yeah. He, he was constantly injured, and I'm like, the way he plays football, which is a physical brand of play, doesn't con- isn't conducive to what he's going to be. You know, the types of guys he's going to be out going up against the running backs who are you know built built like brick shit houses and all that stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way he's going to stay healthy. It's it's a guy who can't stay healthy in college is not going to stay healthy in the NFL. Yeah. And I was proven correct almost immediately. Yeah. And the fact that they got him in the third round versus some other guys who were available, I was just so upset. It was. I believe it was Phil Emery's first draft, and he was already making moves where I'm just like, God, this guy just doesn't know what he's doing at all. And, you know, he immediately fell apart, barely played because he couldn't stay healthy. And I was, you know, I was immediately like, God, Emery's not going to be around here long, is he? And I was proven correct on that. Yeah, it was a sad pick upset me a lot. Yeah, a sad trend that I saw when I was going through the history of our drafts is that they would show uh, I looked them up in, in on profootballreference.com uh, great website and um, it would say you know here's so and so drafted in 2008 played till 2017 and then Brandon Harden after him it was two blank spaces yep. which I guess means he didn't play it down in the NFL like maybe he made it to preseason but he never played in an official NFL game, which basically means he didn't have an NFL uh, career like at all. And we spent a third round pick on the guy. So yep. yeah, huge, huge mistake. Uh, number seven, a guy who made your, your top 10 uh, loved list, Kyle Long. And uh-huh. I know you like the, the legacy picks. And I learned all of this afterwards yeah. was that he was Howie Long's son and, you know, played in college baseball. So he's an, so, you know, he's an athlete and, uh, and everything, uh, only started five games for Oregon. It's like, then how the hell is he the 20th overall pick? What are we doing here? You know, it's like, and especially with, um, 
Uh, that was the year that Sharif Floyd was supposed to go in like the top five. He's still available at 20. You know, let's take the guy that shouldn't be there at, you know, 20 and not this guy I've never heard of mm-hmm. before, you know, it's, and it was the, so I wasn't in love with the pick. Obviously, I was horribly wrong about it until injuries took over the, the guy's career there towards the end. But, you know, not a fan of that pick at all. Immediately fell in love with him in the preseason uh, when we saw, you know, what kind of an animal that guy was. But uh, not a fan of the pick at all uh, when it was made. So, yeah, that uh, one of those ones that, uh, like, like we were talking about before, Happy to be wrong about the guy, but when they when I heard his name called, not a fan, not a fan. So, uh, number six, who you got? Number six, actually, uh, a guy we just talked about, Adam Shaheen, yeah. was not a fan of this pick at all because I watched some of his college tape. I looked at his college stats, and I'm like, you know, I get that he's talented. I get that he's been testing well, but when I looked at his stats, I'm like, he actually didn't truly dominate his level of competition as much as he probably should have considering how gifted he was and considering some of the other guys who were available at the time I felt were much more safer picks and this told me that pace was a risk taker and I'm always wary of risk takers who are GMs so when they took him after what they had just done you know the, the round before that I was like man this draft is shaping up to be boom or bust in a big way because and then he he comes right out of the gate i think he got hurt immediately Mm -hmm. which only soured me on him even more and then he he didn't play all that much and it's just man why why are my instincts so on point with some of these guys (laughs) so you know yeah i was not a fan of the shaheen pick from the jump and looking back on it now you know yeah i was 100 percent you know on point with that one right yeah, that was uh, that was a tough pick, and you you nailed it right on the head. It was like after looking at our draft, I was like, we're supposed to be building here, you know. It's like yeah. we, we we even though we went three and thirteen uh, in 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 twenty sixteen, it seemed to be like one of those years where we were kind of right there in it, and it was a talent deficit we just lost at the end because twenty sixteen that was that season where we had like three or four games in a row we came back from like double digit deficits only to just either just fall short or you know we lost the lead at the last minute uh in that I mean there was the Titans game uh where what's his name dropped like two touchdown passes in the end zone on the final drive uh there was John Fox playing it safe uh against the Packers you know like going for the tie to take it to overtime or whatever and Rodgers hits Jordy Nelson for like an 80 yard pass that puts them in field goal range uh, you know afterwards and 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 whatnot. It just seemed like we were a team that was just, we just needed to improve, you know, get some. And we had, like you said, one of the biggest boomer bust drafts in the history of our franchise. And we only had five picks uh, to use it on because of the, because of the trade uh, yep. in the first round. But yeah, not a fan of, uh, of the, of the draft class as a whole, to be quite frankly, quite honest with you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six with me, another guy that made your top 10 love list was Kyle Fuller. I ah. was not. And again, this was more about who he wasn't having had Aaron Donald ripped out right from underneath us. <laughs> exactly. Because all I heard going into the draft was if Donald gets past the Giants at 12, he's all ours. Mm-hmm. Because the Rams have taken a defensive tackle in the first round like four years in a row at this point. They don't need Aaron Donald, 
but obviously they were working with best available because they snatched him up at 13. And like you, I was like, oh, no, no, why? Why? He was right there, right there. We almost had him. And for the homework that I had done going into the draft, I felt that there was help to be had later on in the draft at corner. Like Mm -hmm. I thought, but it was very top-heavy in the safety. Uh, I think that was the year Calvin Pryor uh, was drafted in the first round. I really liked him, even though he was a total bust. Uh, with the Jets which really shocked me because I thought he was going to be a good player especially going to Rex Ryan who I still yeah. respect as a great defensive coach so it's like I I thought safety was the pick there if Aaron Donald wasn't uh you know was not going to be our guy but we went with Kyle Fuller and like you said took him a while to find his footing but once we did we got the player that we drafted uh, you know, he got a second contract out of us. He was a solid player. And we ended up getting rid of him for salary cap reasons, not because he couldn't play anymore. We ended up having to lose him for the worst reason possible because of Ryan Pace's horrible salary cap management as opposed to his uh, productivity uh, falling yeah. off a, a cliff or anything uh, like that. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I was upset when we got him, and I was upset when we lost him too. So, you know, it was uh, an unfortunate turn of events with uh, – with Kyle Fuller. Indeed so. So top half of the list, number five, who you got? Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> uh, listen, I understood the pick. I didn't hate Trubisky as a player. I really didn't. You know, I, but I did feel he was the worst of the three who were available, which go figure on that. But more than anything, I was so upset they didn't take Patrick Mahomes. Now, listen. This is not me playing with hindsight, okay? I did not think Patrick would transform into the absolute best quarterback in football. Yeah. But I did love him. I watched him at Texas Tech. I fell in love with him immediately. I felt he had so many things that made that could have made him a special player. And I think the Bears fan base would have absolutely fallen in love with him. He was that kind of player. And when they didn't take him, I would have been fine with Deshaun Watson, but then they went with Trubisky instead. I'm like, man, this one really, really stings because I wanted Patrick Mahomes so much. And on top of that, they took the third best quarterback on my list. So it was just kind of a double whammy for me. Yeah. But I still felt there was a good chance that Mitch might might actually turn out good. And for a time, it looked like he was trending that way in 2018. Yeah. But things just kind of, you know, fell off a cliff for him after that. So, yeah, I was not a fan of the pick, mostly because they didn't get the guy I actually wanted. Right. Yeah, that was a, that was a thing in 2017 for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, number five for me, if we go back in time just one year from that particular pick that we just talked about, Leonard Floyd. Ah, uh, yes. Not a fan of, of, of Leonard Floyd. And again, it didn't really have much to do with the player so much as it, as it, as what he was at the time. There were right. a lot of concerns about him being too small as far as he has this long, lanky frame that you want in your pass rushers, but he was having trouble keeping on weight. You know, he was like 230 pounds soaking wet and he was just going to get ragdolled in the NFL, and we had just gotten done with a failed experiment (sighs) at defensive end for an undersized guy in Shea McClellan. It was like, Mm -hmm. we didn't need to go through that again. We just finished with that. We don't need to do it again. And not only did we draft the guy I I specifically said I didn't want, we traded up for him. 
Yeah. You know, we had the 11th pick. Pace moves up to nine, gives up like a fourth round pick or whatever to take him. And yeah, I didn't want him. He turned out to be okay for us. What was, what I found really odd was that he was more productive without Khalil Mack than he was with him. That made so no sense to me. That made no sense to me. I thought if anybody's going to benefit from Khalil Mack, it's Leonard Floyd. Because right. now he's not going to have to fight through double teams because he's our best pass rusher or anything like that. Having like six and seven sacks in his first two years in the league, he had like four in 2018, 2019 combined with Khalil Mack on the other side. It's like that doesn't make any sense. And right. you know, when the Bears decided to let him go and brought in uh, – Robert Quinn, I was like, yeah, I'm way more down with that than, you know, paying Leonard Floyd any kind of money. And then, of course, he went on to have a stud season with the Rams uh, yeah. that year. But, you know, it's just classic like Bears. classic, classic. But I just like I did not want that guy. And not only did we draft him, we moved up to get him as well. So I really did not like that pick. Yeah. So number four, moving on, who we got? Uh, Leonard Floyd. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, I was even less of a fan of that pick when it happened for a number of reasons. I felt he was a reach. I felt he probably should have gone later in the first round. I felt because of how lack, how lack of top heaviness the the draft actually was that year. He went, he went further, like higher than he should have. Right. Um, I didn't like his college production. He didn't come across as a natural pass rusher to me. So, and I'm, I'm and I've always been big on that. You should be able to show it in college if you're going to show it in the NFL. Yeah. I've always been one of those people. So the fact that he had only like four sacks in both his top years with Georgia was always a big problem with me. But on top of all that, Laramie Tunsil was still on the board. Yes. Oh my God. The, the fact that he was falling, he was right there. A, a perfect left tackle for your team. I get the weed thing. I didn't give a shit because this yeah. guy was going to be an absolute stud. He should have gone in the top five, but because of the craziest thing you've ever seen <laughs> before a draft, he's falling right into your fucking lap and you pass <laughs> on him. I was so pissed. Yeah. So pissed because it, all you had to do was look past your culture bullshit for once in your life, yeah. and you couldn't do it. He ends up going to Miami where he becomes an all-pro. He gets traded to, to Houston. He becomes an all-pro there, and he's one of the best left tackles in the game, and I am so, so salty about that. So, yeah, you know, I, I was not a fan of the Leonard Floyd pick for so many reasons. That was probably the biggest one, and I'm still salty about it to this day. Yeah, that was the thing, it's like, and, it, and I didn't uh, do the dive, or else I probably would have found the answer myself and I was like I know there was somebody I wanted them to take besides Leonard Floyd it was like but I I just kind of got stuck on the fact that I knew for a fact I didn't want the Bears to draft Leonard Floyd like specifically said I did not want the Bears to draft Leonard Floyd and I remember I was actually for my podcast (laughs) I was doing knee-jerk reactions with every pick and I was like, oh, the, I did a knee-jerk reaction. The Bears just traded up uh, from 11 to 9, so we're on the clock right now. We're going to pick. As long as it's not Leonard Floyd, I'm going to be really happy about this. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, all right, dude's walking up to the podium. And I was like, all right, here we go. And, you know, you so-and-so read off the pick, and I was like, it's Leonard Floyd. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's like, I didn't want this guy, you know. So, yeah, I totally feel how you were feeling. Forgot about Larry Tunzel. That probably would have rocketed him up the board a little higher if I'd remembered that. But, right. um, yeah. So, number four for me, Cedric Benson. 
Oh, uh, man. Running back out of Texas. Uh, I didn't. We already had Thomas Jones. We did not need Cedric Benson. It was a luxury pick for a team that needed all the offensive help it could get. You know, it was like this. Is, but we don't need this help. We've already got our running back. We have Thomas Jones. And I know that we kind of took a flyer on him to sign him as a free agent. But he was a he was a beast uh, in 04. And he would be once again in 05 when Cedric Benson was finally done holding out and figuring how to be a pro football player and everything. He barely played his rookie year. And I found out later on, this obviously had nothing to do with where I ranked him, but I found out later on that when when I saw him openly crying at the draft, I thought like, oh, his dream is realized. That's cool. Even though I don't want him, he's happy to be here. Turns out he was crying because he did not want to go to Chicago. Go figure. He was upset that the Bears picked him. I was like, yeah. And the Bears didn't know that, which which should upset you even more. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, – we didn't need him. Uh, we had just missed out on Braylon Edwards, who was taken at three uh, by the Browns. You want to know something that will make you even more upset? What's that? Jerry Angelo did an interview a few years ago. I, I'm not sure how long ago, but he did an interview where he said, if they had known this whole thing with Cedric where he, you know, where he was upset, didn't want to go there, blah, 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 they would have done more, more work than they did on DeMarcus Ware and probably would have taken him, which tells you, one <sighs> – that they didn't do a lot of homework on him to begin with, and two, they didn't have the wherewithal to know that Ware was probably going to end up being a much better player than Cedric Benson, which is just like makes you want to tear your hair out so yeah. much more because it's like, dude, you're telling me you didn't do your homework on this class to begin with and you just decided to go with the guy that was the easiest to remember because he had a great year at Texas? Fuck you. What the <laughs> fuck, man? So, yeah, it's little shit like that that I find out later that just makes me want to gouge my eyes out. Yeah, why would Jerry Angelo offer that to anyone? Yeah, exactly. If we would have known, like, uh, then I would have... shittier uh, as a GM. Yeah, I would have taken the future Hall of Fame pass rusher as opposed to this this running back that uh, turned out to be a complete total drunken mess that didn't want to come to us in the first place and and actually played like the guy we drafted the moment he wasn't wearing a bear uniform uh, right. anymore. You remember the revenge game in 2009 where he ran oh, for uh, how can I forget? A, a buck Ugh. 45 and three touchdowns on us and everything like 45 that. 45 to 10. That yeah. was a nightmare that of a day. Massacre of a football game, man. Wow. So yeah. So, yeah, that was my number four. Who you got for number three? Chris Williams. Okay. You know, I, I agree with the the idea. I do believe they need they needed offensive line help. I'm not debating that at all, right. but uh, I was not a fan of Chris Williams. I, I wasn't a fan of Vanderbilt guys in general. They tended not to do very well in the NFL. And we got two in that draft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was I, I was like, man, you couldn't find anybody better than Chris fucking Williams because I wasn't a fan of his to begin with. And then you find out shortly after that he was dealing with a back injury, and it's like, oh, great, he's already damaged goods. Yeah. So it's just like, man, one thing on top of another. So I was not a fan of the pick, and thankfully they got Matt Forte in the second round. Otherwise, I would have been really cross about the entire thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, wasn't a fan of the pick at the time, was really upset about it because I felt there were other good offensive line options available. I think Brandon Albert was still on the board at the time, and I think he was going to be a good offensive tackle for somebody. I think it ended up being the Chiefs, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So the fact that they went with a guy that I think Lovey had a thing for Vanderbilt guys at that time. I think he had close ties to that team for some reason, and they went with Chris Williams, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So well, you know, and we had just missed out on Ryan Clady. 
Yeah, uh, exactly. He went, that he went too. at number. So he went like, at number twelve. Uh, it felt like Broncos. a panic pick, and it's yeah. exactly what it turned out to be. And it's just like, man, they just never seem to get the offensive line right. And that was just another example. Yeah, uh, number three uh, for me, uh, and I have a feeling that this is number one for you. But it's Shea McClellan, um, <laughs> defensive just end, you wait. just just defensive. you wait, Boise State, number nineteen overall in twenty twelve. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Never heard of the guy, uh-huh. you know. And there he was. He was our first round pick. Uh, we passed on Chandler Jones and Riley mm-hmm. Reef, who were both mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. there uh, for us, and both went on to have much better careers than this bum did. And he was an outside. I feel like he would have been better for the Bears had he been drafted in 2018. Versus 2012, like playing in Fangio's 3-4, (laughs) playing in Fangio's 3-4 as an outside linebacker versus a stand-up defensive uh, or on a hand-on-the-ground defensive end. It just didn't work. The only thing the guy ever did worth worth talking about was injuring Aaron Rodgers in 2013 when he dropped him on his collarbone. Outside of that, no highlights for the Shea McClellan highlight reel in a bear uniform. The guy was a disaster, and I was upset with the pick. You know, again, here we are picking guys I've never heard of before. And with it's like Chandler Jones is like, dude, he's going to fall to us. Chandler Jones is there. And he went one pick later to New England, became, a, you know, an all pro and, and a stud uh, for them. And it's just like, damn it. Why? Why does this always happen? Yeah. It's like usually the guys get stolen before we have a chance to pick him. And here he was, falls in our, right in our lap and we pass on him. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah. Who you, uh, what are we up to? Number two? Yep. Number two, who you got? Cedric Benson. <laughs> now, on the surface, we've already talked about it. They already had Thomas Jones. He was already a really solid player for them. They did not need a running back. Right. Drafting Benson served no purpose. I, I know they probably felt they were adding, you know, talent on top of talent, but when that talent is running back, it makes no sense. You needed help at other positions. And if you weren't comfortable with some of the other guys available at number two, then move, try to move down a little bit. Fine. But what upset me even more about it was that that was a message that they were sticking with Rex Grossman when Aaron Rodgers was on the fucking board. (laughs) And it's just like you, you watched Aaron Rodgers in college and you've watched Rex Grossman the past two years, keep getting hurt and you're telling me it's not worth the risk to take a shot at Rodgers to see if you can improve the most important position on your fucking roster. And that told me all I needed to know about the people in charge of that team at that time. So, you know, so many reasons to be upset about that pick, aside from Benson not wanting to come to Chicago on top of all of that. Right. So, you know, yeah, I I was not a fan of the pick in so many ways, and I was proven correct over the course of the next few years. Awesome. Well, number two, this one is kind of like uh, you might, you know, call this uh, cheating. But number two for me was a tie between Daniel Manning, Devin Hester, Dusty Dvorak, Jamar Williams, Mark Anderson, J.D. <laughs> Runnels, and Tyler Reed, a.k.a. the entire 2006 draft class. Why? Because we, need, we just came off the 2005 season. We mm-hmm. were 11-5, and five, had a defense – that in eight games allowed 10 points or less, but our offense was scoring 13 points a game. We needed offensive help 
in the worst way, having not spent any money on offensive people aside from like signing Brian Greasy in the offseason going into 06. Right. And our first five draft choices are defensive players. We didn't take an offensive player until we took a fullback in the sixth round, and then we, we finished it off by taking a guard that never played a snap in the NFL. Yeah. Now, Daniel Manning turned out to be a good player. Obviously, Hester was a Hall of Famer, and Dusty Dvoracek, when he was healthy, was an absolute animal. But And, and Mark Anderson even had led the team in sacks, I think, in 06 uh, as well. So, I mean, these were at the time, I mean, they ended up not being bad picks for the most part, but going into 2006 after having the league's best defense be wasted on the fact that we had nothing to offer on the offensive side outside of Thomas Jones in the running game. We needed all the offensive help we could get, and we, we spent all of our valuable draft capital on defensive players. I hated the whole draft. I hated them yeah. all. Despite how it all turned out, I was like, fuck this draft. I don't know what to expect from this season. We're going to be awesome on defense, but we're going to need to be because we're not going to score shit on the offensive side. We're not scoring any points. Uh, you know, with this uh, with this offense, it's just not yep. going to happen. And I don't know. Ron Turner sprinkled some dust on the offense. We actually scored points on top of having a killer defense for the second year in a row. But it was just like going into that that draft. It was like I don't know what the fuck Jerry Angelo's doing. This is making me nuts. It's like pick an offensive player for the love of God, anyone. I don't care a wide receiver, a tight end. Please go out and get somebody that's going Craig to Jennings help us. And Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. They were both on the board. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. But no, Daniel Manning. We don't need a defensive back. We had the best defense in the league last year. Devin Hester was a defensive back in college. What the fuck are we doing, guys? You know, Dvorak, defensive tackle. We already have Tommy Harris. What are we drafting this guy for? You know, over and over again with these picks. It's like every pick that was made, I was more upset than the one that came uh, before it because it's like, where the hell's the offensive hell coming from? We didn't sign anybody in free agency, and we've drafted nobody until the sixth round, and we got a fucking fullback. We got Jason McKee. We don't need this guy either. What are we mm-hmm. doing? You know, and it was just like I was incensed by the entire draft. I just, I was beside myself. I hated that draft so much. I so, totally understand. And uh, number one, I was right. It's Shea McClellan, isn't it? Oh, it is 100% Shea McClellan. I mean, and be- I was. Before you get into so- it, let me okay. just stop you real quick. I kind of had a feeling this was going to be because when I was presenting the idea to you, we we're texting back and forth, and you were like, um, you know, I was like, I bet we could do a whole show just on the 2007 draft where our second and third round pick never played it down in the NFL. It was like the only picks we're talking about were Greg Olson and Corey Graham. And then you said, I could write an entire essay about two th- about one pick in 2012. It's like, I know who that's about. So uh-huh. that there it is. Shea McClellan, number one for Eric. So many things upset me about that pick. One, didn't know who the hell he was. Right. He was a late bloomer, you know, at fucking Boise State. Like, who gives a shit? Right off the bat. Yeah. And he was a bad fit. He didn't yep. have the size to play defensive end in their defense. And for some reason, Phil, em- Phil Emery was convincing himself he, he could. And it's just like, dude, what are you smoking? Yeah. Because I'm looking at this guy. He doesn't have much room left to fill out. And on top of all that, Chandler Jones 
is right there. He's a perfect fit. He's more proven at a good program. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's a literal fucking no-brainer. What are you doing? And then they take Shane McClown, and it's like they got hoodwinked by somebody. Somebody must have something on him because yeah. I cannot understand this pick at all. And then he goes to New England on the very next um, – on two picks later. It was two picks later, and I was so incensed that the best team in football was getting another great player on top of all they've had. <laughs> and I'm like, David DeCastro is also on the board. Probably the best guard in the draft. Why don't you just take him if you're not if you're not certain certain about something? Whitney Merciless, right in your backyard at Illinois. Yeah. He's right there. He might even be a better fit. And it's just like one after the other of guys I I could list who was better than fucking Shay McClellan at that pick. And it's just like I wanted for the first and only time in my life to th- chuck something at my television after that pick. <laughs> so yeah. That's one I am never, ever going to get over, even though it was only the 19th pick in the draft. I understand that. It's not even a top 10, but I was so, so upset at that pick, considering who was still on the board and who shouldn't have been on the board at that time. So, yeah, Shane McClellan is 100% my number one, and nobody's even close. (laughs) Well, speaking of throwing shit at the TV, uh, it's a good thing that I was at a sports bar when the Bears made my number one pick, which I'm sure you may have sussed out by this point, was Mitchell Trubisky yeah. uh, at number two in the first round in 2017. Number one, I've, I've already stated who I wanted the Bears to take at number three uh, in uh, LSU safety, Jamal Adams. I just thought mm-hmm. he, was, he would be a beast for us. You know, we, We've got Fangio as our defensive coordinator. We throw him in there. He's going to be a dynamic player and you wanted him yeah he made it known yeah and you know but above all else I just did not feel that we were ready to take on a quarterback at that time (laughs) you know with the with the the you know there was no money in free agency that year and Ryan Pace was cobbling together a a uh offense uh in free agency and the people that he signed number one all turned out to be disasters and number two was not the kind of person you want to throw in, was not the kind of roster you want to throw a rookie quarterback into. So I didn't want Watson. I didn't want Mahomes. I didn't want any quarterback. I wanted us to keep building and, you know, insert the quarterback in later. We're still building a team here. We're not ready for a quarterback yet. I felt that sincerely. And then same thing with, uh, with Leonard Floyd. Not only did we go and get a quarterback, we traded up from three to two, gave up four picks, to take this guy that, uh, you know, the, to be our quarterback. And then it turned out not to be Watson or Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, I'm sitting here and I was like, I, I can't believe that this happened. I cannot believe the Bears just did that. Not only did we draft a quarterback, which I know we're not ready for, but we also traded up. We don't have a third-round pick now. Or next year, we don't have a yeah. third-round pick because of this. We don't have a third-round pick this year or next year. Uh, you know, and all it's like, this is, I can't believe it. We just gave up four picks to move up one spot to get a guy that nobody else is trying to get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just like, I, I cannot believe this. I was beside myself with anger. And then, you know, then the next night we picked Shaheen. Then, you know, the following night we got Cohen. And it's like, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And, and like I said, in a year where we need to kind of be building for the future, like you said, this was the biggest boomer bust draft that we've ever had. 
yep. in the history of our franchise. Now, Tariq Cohen was a stud. Eddie Jackson was a stud. Mitch had his flashes in 2017. We never got anything out of Adam Shaheen or Jordan Morgan, who did not play it down in the NFL ever, yep. who was our fifth and final pick in that class. It's like, what a disaster that draft turned out to be when, you know, just six years later, we only have one of those guys still on the squad, you know, and he's kind of hanging on at this point. Like he, if he hadn't had the year he had last year, he'd be gone already. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. if he hadn't had that revitalization in 2022, he'd already be on somebody else's team uh, at this point. The bears wouldn't have hung on to him. No question. But, but you know, as far as like at the moment, no pick I hated more than, uh, than Mitch Trubisky. Cause it was just like, it doesn't make sense. It absolutely does not make sense for the Bears to take a quarterback here. We are just not ready for a quarterback just yet. You know, we're not ready for him yet, and we went ahead and took him and moved up to get him as well. You know, yeah. it's like I could not believe it. I could not believe it. And like I said, thank God that I was out in public because if I was at home, <laughs> God only knows what I do to my living room uh, when we made that pick. It was a blessing that I was outside and that I didn't want to make a total asshole of myself in front of all these people at, a, at the sports bar uh, and everything. It was a damn good thing that I wasn't uh, at home when the Bears made that draft pick. So, so at least something worked out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I didn't have to buy a brand new television or an Xbox or a brand new DirecTV uh, receiver or anything like that. I was able to keep all that nice stuff. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And instead, I just ate my feelings at the sports bar <laughs> because I was so upset. Oh, I've so. been there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there we have it. That last, Ooh. I knew it was a good idea to do the hated picks last. That was a lot more fun. I'd have to throw the explicit tag on this one now. But, uh, yeah, so... Sorry about that. Oh, no. I started it off, started us off with the Michael Haynes uh, thing. But, uh, yeah, I was like, I had a feeling that that's, you know, when you're, when you're fans, when you love the team like you and I do, that's the kind of thing that comes out when you don't see your team doing, you know, following the right path. I was like, not that we're all know-it-alls or anything, but it's just like it's staring you right there in the face. Chandler yeah, Jones, common sense stuff. Yeah, when they don't do common sense stuff. Common sense stuff. It's staring you right there in the face. You don't take Shane McClellan when Chandler Jones is still on the fucking board. You don't do it. You don't yeah. do it. And, yep. you know, Bill Belichick was like, well, if you won't take him, I will. Exactly. And, you know, he'll end up being defensive player of the year or something like that. You know, it's like he's just going to be an absolute animal for a team that absolutely doesn't need him. And, you know, he'll just be this luxury pick. He's like, yeah, we'll take him. Why not? You know? And, uh, yeah, he was an absolute savage. And he should have been a Chicago Bear all the mm-hmm. way. So, yeah, imagine him, him and, and Peppers. In, him and Peppers were right him there and for Julius, you. I was just about to say that. Him and Peppers in 2012 together. That would have been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ugh. Instead, it Now was, I'm just getting upset all over. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, briefly, you know, we talked just before we started recording about, you know, the draft coming up in a couple of days, how, you know, after the Panthers pick whoever their quarterback is, that's when the draft actually starts because will the Texans take a quarterback? Will they stay and pick Will Anderson? Will they trade back and let somebody else come up and get their uh, quarterback? Do the Seahawks take Jalen Carter or Anthony Richardson or, you know, stuff like that? A, are the Bears staying at nine? If they do, who do you think they're taking? Um, I, I think they want to move down. Yeah. I, do, I do believe the rumors are very valid in that regard. I don't know if they can because you're going to need somebody to come up for them. And in order for that to happen, they either need the right 
non-quarterback available or they're going to need a a valid quarterback available, either Levis or Richardson or one of those guys. So if somebody is available at nine and you've got uh, Tennessee there at 11, you might be able to drum up a market to move down. But, you know, I do believe they're prepared to stay at nine. And I think they've got a small cache of guys that they're probably going to end up being look, end up looking at. A lot of people are talking about Jalen Carter, justifiably so. Perfect fit for the defense. And, you know, it sounds like they've done their due diligence on the character issues. And they feel that they they have the culture with the right coaching staff to sort of coach him up and help him mature and all that sort of stuff. And listen, if they do take him, I'll be okay with that because I'm fine taking calculated risks on talent of that caliber because – we're talking about a Hall of Fame caliber guy if he can get his head on straight. Right. So I never mind taking risks like that. It's the same with Tunsil. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I'm perfectly fine with that. But I believe they're probably going to end up going with an offensive lineman. And I think the three guys that they're probably going to end up taking is going to be one of Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, or Darnell Wright. One of those three. Because they can plug in immediately a tackle, be it left or right. And I think all of them have a chance to be really good players in the NFL. So that's sort of where I think they're at right now. So do you think they pass on Carter if he's there at nine? Oh, boy, that's tough. Yeah. I've heard rumors that Pittsburgh is willing to come up from 17 for him if the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. If they make the Bears a strong enough offer, I do think Poles would take it. But if the offer is not strong enough, I think Poles is willing to take that risk on Carter because he's given himself a good enough cushion. Yeah. You traded down from one, you got yourself some extra draft capital, and you've got DJ Moore on top of that. Right. So yeah. you've got that in your back pocket. So why not take a risk on Carter? Because people are comparing him to Albert Hainsworth and some other guys who didn't quite live up to their potential. But at the same time, a lot of them ended up being still pretty solid players. Yeah. So if you can get something like that out of Carter, fine. If you can get maybe a Pro Bowl or two out of him, great. He may may not end up being Tommy Harris or one of those guys, but if you can still get a pretty decent player at number nine, okay, I'll take that. So, yeah, I do think they'd be willing to take him at nine, but I I think their priority one is moving down. That's what I think. Right. Yeah, but, you know, like we were talking about before, it's just like I'm excited to just see it unfold because there are about a million different ways that this thing can go starting at number two with whoever Carolina doesn't take because when they made the trade with the Bears the rumor was that they moved up for CJ Stroud he's their guy and lately like the last week or two it's kind of morphed into Carolina's taken uh Bryce Young Young. that's their guy and then the draft starts at two do the Texans take a quarterback the the one that Carolina didn't take or do they take Will Anderson? Or do they trade down to pick up some more picks, let somebody come up and get their uh, quarterback kind of thing? That's the first domino to fall. Mm-hmm. Does Indy move up to number two? And, you know, would, uh, you know, Cesario, the, the GM in Houston. Would Casario, he be, yeah. Yeah, Casario, that's it. I always get his name wrong. Would, <laughs> uh, would he be dumb enough to trade in division with the, you know, to let them pick the quarterback that's going to kick their ass twice a year for the next decade, you know, kind of thing. In my opinion, I don't think Indy's moving. Yeah. I, I don't think Chris Ballard has it in him to move up, 
even for a quarterback. I, he's way too conservative. He's proven that over the course of his career. I think he's just going to wait it out and take whatever quarterback's best on his board at number four. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't think Houston's going to move from number two. And I, you know, I do believe the rumors that they're probably not going to take a QB at two. I think they're going to take the best pass rusher on their board, whoever that ends up being, be it Anderson or Tyree Tyre Wilson, Wilson or one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, I've been hearing that too, yeah. But I do think they will consider moving up from number 12 for a quarterback, whoever that ends up, whoever ends up falling out of the top five, be it Levis or Richardson or even C.J. Stroud, depending on what we're hearing. So whoever ends up tumbling, I think they might end up trying to move up for depending on and it might even be with the Bears yeah. because they want to get it ahead of Tennessee. They don't want to see whoever they whoever ends up being available go into Tennessee in their same division. Right. It's crazy how this division is so clustered together to get one of these quarterbacks. So, you know, that's something absolutely to watch with Houston. Get a defensive player at three or excuse me, two. See if you can come up for a guy depending on who tumbles. So that's a scenario I can absolutely see. But I don't think they can move down from two because – Arizona's right there at number three who also want to move down. So it's just one of those things like teams will be like, why would we trade with you at two and pay a higher price when we can just move up to three and pay a lower price? Yeah. So it's one of those things. But uh, I do think Arizona is going to be the team to watch in terms of movement, mm-hmm. whereas Houston is going to be the team to watch and to see what the hell they're going to do because yeah. nobody can really predict what they're going to do right now. Yeah, because it's kind of going to set the board. If the exactly. top two quarterbacks come off with, with one and two, then the, the, the board will kind of naturally fall into place after that. Then the, the, the quarterbacks become the wild cards after that. And, yep. you know, after Stroud and, and Bryce Young are off the board, then the rest of the board will, would kind of be set, and then we'll kind of know what to expect. But until the, the Texans make their pick, we won't really know what, uh, what way this choose-your-own-adventure book is going to go. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait for it, and I'm excited the Bears have a pick in the first round. Uh, this year, I'll even be more excited next year when we have two picks uh, yeah, in the first round in 2024. That'll be fun. But I um, mean, Houston at number two and Seattle at number five. Those are the two pivot points for me in this in in the top ten because Houston, we don't know what they're going to do, and then Seattle, are they going to take Jalen Carter? Because I think they're the prime landing spot for him before the Bears at number nine. Right. So those are going to be the two spots I watch closely in terms of what's going to happen in this top ten. Right. Well, Eric, this was great, man. Thanks so much uh, for joining. Thanks so much for playing along uh, with the lists uh, uh, and everything. Uh, thanks for being game to doing 10, you know, because, uh, you know, it's like originally I think when I pitched the idea to you, I thought maybe you understood it was 10 total. And I was like, yeah. no, I want to do 10 that we love and 10 that we hated. Are you up for that? And you were like, absolutely. We can definitely do that. I love this stuff. Yeah, this is good stuff. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun uh, with it, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I want you to let everybody know where we can uh, catch up with you online and uh, read your stuff. You can find my stuff at sportsmockery.com. I write about the Bears all the time. And if you want to converse football with me, I'm at Eric Lambert one on Twitter. And there you have it. He posts all of his articles on on Twitter as well, the links to them. That's how I see most of them uh, I do. when I read up. So I saw that one about Michael Haynes. I was like, yep, we're going to be talking about this later because <laughs> – uh, yeah, we moved down and then we traded. The, who the fuck is Michael Haynes? Who is that? <laughs> Never heard of this guy, but he's our top pick in the draft. Awesome. So, yeah, just a sign of things to come. Only eight short years or nine short years later. Who the fuck is Shane McClellan? Who is that? Yep, it you was know, a repeat. Just awful, awful stuff. Eric, thanks so much, man. We look forward to having you back real soon. It was a pleasure, my man.
there you have it, guys. Top 10 picks we loved. Top 10 picks we hated, even though I kind of cheated with my number two, having hated an entire draft class of seven players because the 2006 draft just pissed me off uh, to no end. But there was one more pick that I hated more uh, in the Trubisky pick. You guys remember, if my OGs who were, who were listening to that episode know that I was not happy uh, about us taking uh, Trubisky. Uh, I, I immediately tried to accept it and like, well, he's ours now, so obviously we hope that he's going to turn out uh, well for us, but uh, God damn, I really wanted Jamal Williams, and I wanted anything but a quarterback. We had we had so many holes to fill. We had pieces uh, that we needed to put in place. Quarterback should have been the last piece that we put in place, and it was a mistake to do it then. I still feel that way, even knowing that Trubisky ended up being good for us in 2018 and uh, had his moments. I would still, if we could go back in time and fix it, that's that's one of the places in Bears history that I would that I would work to to fix. It's like, let's take Jamal Adams, let's make our defense unstoppable and make the job easier uh, on the offense. Let's get a guy like Adams that's going to get the ball back for our offense, give them more chances, and uh, you know maybe kind of build the offense that way uh, and whatnot. But no, no, didn't work out. And, I, I hate that pick, and it still pisses me off to this day, as you guys can see. So, anyway, guys, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the next show that we will have will probably be uh, at the latest, I believe, Monday, because the draft is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll, we'll kind of do a, a draft review episode, possibly on Sunday, maybe Monday at the latest. So, Monday or Tuesday, we'll do the draft review show. Uh, then we'll have a little bit of a break. And uh, we will do the the next big event on the NFL schedule is the schedule release show uh, somewhere in in I think like May 10th, something like that, like second May, second weekend or second Thursday in May or whatever uh, is when that will come out. And then a few weeks after that, we start up with our opponent preview series. And you guys know that will probably carry us through what's left of the uh, summer or at least it'll take us right up to training camp. And then from training camp, you know, short bit of time, we got preseason games and the season starts and we're off to the races uh, from there. So, and in between that time, maybe do another uh, retro rewind uh, episode and, uh, you know, dig up an old game from the Bear Archive uh, to kind of put a 2023 uh, spin on it and and whatnot. And uh, we'll see what else we can do uh, in between. But the next episode you can count on for sure, the draft review episode early next week, Monday or Tuesday. And then the other one after that would be the um, the 2023 schedule release uh, episode where we break down the schedule. How did the how did the opponents fall? We got we have the NFC South. We have the NFC South, the AFC West. Obviously, we have our in-game opponents. Um, we have the Falcons. No, that's part of the AFC South. NFC South. Um, we have. The uh, the Commanders and uh, who was the other fourth place team in the West? The Cardinals. The Commanders and the Cardinals. And the AFC team is the Browns. So our same place opponents are the Browns, the Commanders, and the Cardinals to go with the AFC West and the NFC South. That's our 2023 uh, schedule. So we know who we're playing. We know where we're playing them because we're we're – we have eight home games, nine road games this year, and uh, 
So, but we'll find out what the uh, what the order is going to be. How's that going to fall? Are we going to have a schedule like last year, where we're playing like four of the best teams in the NFL in our last four games on the schedule? You know, with Philly, uh, Buffalo, and you know the Vikings all at the end of the schedule. There, uh, we'll see how it all uh, turns out. So, be on the lookout for those episode guys. Thanks so much for joining us this time. And uh, until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.